All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an Welcome to another episode of Oh the Horror. I'm Rob Holmes, and I'm joined today by Mike Haston. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Hey, Rob, doing all right, thank you. I'm uh, really looking forward to talking about this one. It was, uh, it's uh, one of my more recent favorite movies. Yeah, this was really cool because I had seen the trailer for this film, but was a little bit iffy about it, but then you recommended it a lot. And that movie is <laughs> The Wolf of Snow Hollow, Written, directed, and s- directed by and starring Jim Cummings. Yeah, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not really familiar with any of his other work, and I haven't looked it up, which I meant to do before we came on and talked about <laughs> his work. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed him in this movie. Um, his his mood swings uh, were great, and and even as over the top as some of them were. Uh, like, I don't know why he hates computers, kind of like he tells yeah. the one cop, like, you should have gone into computer science because you're a terrible police officer. And um, the other one, you know, he's he's like, oh, did you did you learn that in your computer college or whatever? Yeah. Like, um, but even that that wild, like out of nowhere um, outbursts of his come across as pretty realistic and grounded for the character in the situation that he's built himself into. Yeah, that's that's what's really interesting about this film is that it you expect it to just be some little quirky comedy about some werewolf that's going to take over this town or is causing all these issues. You're expecting it to be a generic horror film where the main character who's going through all this stuff is actually a werewolf. What a weird concept. That's what I was expecting going into this film. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, uh, actually, I had never seen the trailer. Just somebody whose uh, opinion I trust nice. uh, said that they saw it, um, the screener, a long time ago. And they were like, keep an eye out for this one when it comes out. And so then I saw like a Facebook ad or something for it. And I was just, oh, it's it's out. So I went and got it. And um, I, I'm really glad I did. But yeah, like you said, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know the comedic elements were going to be there. Um, but... I figured it was just going to be kind of a generic werewolf movie, which I was super down for. But yeah. um, it definitely it definitely has its um, its own quirks. Um, it's very unique in a lot of ways. Um, oh, yeah. There's definitely things I, I don't recall in other werewolf movies. I mean, the first victim has her vagina stolen. Stolen. You know? Like, yeah. yeah. Gone. <laughs> uh, he says, is there, gone. is there any evidence of sexual assault? And he said... That part of the crime scene is missing, sir. And oh, yeah, like, and then Robert Forrester's like, uh, son, I've been in this for a long time. I can handle it. And he goes, no. No, it's actually, like, missing. It's been taken away. Right. And this is, is this is Robert Forrester's last film, isn't it? Yeah, this was his last role. Because um, I, I really enjoyed him in the movie. He was and, great. Uh, Absolutely great in this. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, we were talking about Jim Cummings' character a second ago. Of course, he's uh, one of the first times, if not the very first time you see him, he's at, like, an AA meeting. And, um, you know, that immediately, uh, that and the way he's handling this meeting give him so much backstory. Um, And I think it's right after the first attack. 
and everybody's rushing off to the crime scene, and that's where he's like listening. I guess the AA meeting is in the same building as the police station, mm -hmm. and it's like a floor down or whatever, like the basement. And so he's, yeah. Right, and so he's he's listening, and he's like, I don't hear anybody upstairs, and it's because they've all gone to the the site of the stolen vagina. Um, Which but uh, that opening scene, so. That opening scene, we have a guy and his girlfriend showing up to Snow Hollow, Utah. Um, and we kind of get this introduction of them coming through the front door, right? They enter into their little vacation house. Right, the cabin, yeah. And, you know, they're this, like, blonde, perfect couple. And the first thing I'm thinking in my head is, are we being introduced to the werewolves right away? Are they, like, a pair of werewolves? And within five minutes, you're like, nah, because she's, she's dead now. Right. I mean, they go to a restaurant and there's time for some social commentary in there mm -hmm. uh, with the two rednecks that are using all the, uh, yeah, like the, the anti-gay slurs and stuff. And the, the meathead guy, you know, who uh, he's like, hey, stop it. That's that's not cool. You yeah. know what I mean? And you're like, OK, now I have no idea where this is going because like mm -hmm. I agree with him, but I did not expect to because that that actor is. Um, uh, the guy from American Vandal and that's yeah. all I can ever think of him and so I'm like ready for this werewolf movie and I'm settling in and all I can see is if I didn't draw the ball here I didn't draw the dicks you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. and um but you know even he they used him I guess you would say sparingly in the film yeah. um but but his role was was played well um and uh you know I I really liked just every victim the escalation um, of like panic in the town, yeah. Because uh, like you said, it's Snow Hollow, Utah, but it's it's this big ski resort yeah. town. You know, that's basically all they live on, and so you know, it's it's very close to like Amity Beach. You know, in Jaws, it's like we can't close this. This is the only thing that's you know keeping our little town alive or whatever. Yep. And um, so you see um, like the scene where the guy's putting the sign up. Uh, outside the convenience store and it's like have you seen the werewolf of snow hollow and uh the cop threatens him with parking tickets so he takes it down but not only in the community because i love those little montages of the people that are so upset there you haven't arrested this guy my seven-year-old daughter could catch this killer and uh and then the you know the the main character's kind of sanity and um sobriety yeah <laughs> how it's affected every time um but I, I really, I liked it because it doesn't, again, it doesn't seem like it comes out of nowhere. Like, you know, spoiler alert, by the time he's drinking again, it's like, well, hell, of course he is, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, he's got the whole town shouting and screaming at him, and he's like the only person other than possibly Ricky Lindholm's character that doesn't think it's a, a werewolf, you know? Yeah, um, I, I actually, for her... There was there was parts of this where I thought Ricky Lindholm was actually going to be the like the werewolf. Uh yeah, that I could see. Um, uh, there there was a few moments in there where I'm like, is she the werewolf? Is he the werewolf? Is his dad the werewolf because he's not doing well and maybe he can't control himself? For a second, I'm like, is it a town of werewolves who have gone back to normal and now there's one of them their own killing and they're trying to hide it from the locals? I went all over the uh -oh. place. That's that's actually that sounds pretty interesting, um, but no, of course it's not any of those things. Yeah, um, I, I like her. I call her the Red Riding Hood girl, the girl with the red ribbon in her hair. Yeah, um, 
Oh my because, gosh, yeah. And you know that they the cuz she actually meets you know a, a suspect, shall we say, yeah, in the yeah. diner um and they do such a good job of keeping this person off screen and um you know it's it's not a voice you can match up to anybody else that you've seen in the movie. Um and then when she uses the phone cuz she gets creeped out, she goes up to the counter and tells him to call the police or whatever. Um, you see him stand up in the background and, and it's just this huge, like blurry shape. It's almost like Bigfoot back there. This very um, lanky shape and a hoodie just. Yeah. Like one of those big down jacket hoodies. And, uh, God, it was, I I thought it was really neat because you're like, this person looks monstrous even as, you know, as a human, um, and a lot of times, you know, werewolf movies, like you said, you thought it could have been Ricky Lindholm and so on and so forth. There's, of course, like Dog Soldiers, where the girl that's been with them the whole time turns out to be a werewolf. Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot of times the anatomy of, of the person that is the werewolf is totally different than the big hulking beast, you know. And uh, it was kind of neat, even though I was going to say to see it, um, even though it's all blurry and hard to see, it was neat to... They do a good job. That's kind of, you know, to make another Jaws comparison, that's the shark's fin in the water, you know, while everybody's all happy and frolicking around. Yeah. It was really, really ominous, and it did a great job bridging one of the longer sections between um, murders or killings or whatever you want to call it. Well, and actually, speaking of the murders, we get our second one with, because uh, we're introduced to this woman in the beginning. Um, and what she snowboard instructor. snowboard instructor, yeah, and we just see her. We don't see the rest of who she's, you know, teaching the class or whatever. They're kind of off screen, so we're focused on her. We know that she is the person we are following for this, and we get to see a part of her life, and then the end of her life. Right. I thought like that's a great point. Like when they introduce her, it definitely because it's still early enough in the movie. Yeah, it definitely seems that oh, this could be a main character. But no, they just they give you enough, uh, you know, introduction to her and time with her that uh, you you care when she dies, even though she's only in the movie for five or seven minutes or whatever. And she's got a brutal death. Too. Her death was was amazing because she we get to see the wolf. It's not this idea. Is there a werewolf? Is there not? You get to see this beast in all of its glory in this beautiful moonlit silhouette, and it looks so good. Right, that was such a good shot. Like, when it's standing up across the the little lot from her, yeah. Practical effects done so well, and he's like, the the werewolf has torn her arm off, you know? Like, she's missing an arm now, and she, she goes down, and she looks, and her arm is gone. And... You see her pull the stump up, and at that moment, that's where you see the werewolf holding her arm in that silhouette and throws it, I guess, behind him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I remember something being thrown. I couldn't remember. There's so many flying limbs and body parts in this movie. There really are. And then he takes her head, right? It's a different part every time. Yep. Um, I can't remember what he took from the Little Red Riding Hood girl. And then, of course, uh, one character gets broken in half and shoved in a a ready-made trash can. Yes, yeah. Actually, so, it's one of the deputies gets uh-huh. broken And it's half. quick, too, because he was, you know, like the, what we've seen up to that point is, like you said, there's an attack. The arm gets ripped off. There's the reaction shot of the wolf almost playing with its food, kind yeah. of, you know. Um, and so they've been a little 
not super long, but drawn out, certainly. And there's the part where, you know, they they come upon the werewolf during an attack and uh, the, the police are chasing it. And while he's being chased and stuff, he has the time to break this deputy in half and shove him in a in a trash can. Yeah. And then, you know, get away. And it's like that 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 fast power is just wild. And I think, you know, with the huge uh, focus on on AA and everything, I think there's some subtext there about, you know, the the how quickly this power over somebody, whether it's lycanthropy or alcoholism or right, what right. have you can, can take over and how, you know, devastating they're going to be, but you don't even have to watch the movie with that subtext. You no, can just watch no. it and grade a, watch an amazingly well done werewolf movie. Um, which honestly we haven't had a great one in a long time. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, there's ones with flashes of greatness, but, uh, this was, I think the third time I've watched this movie and I haven't done that for any werewolf movie since probably Dog Soldiers that I mentioned earlier, um, even if I liked them or not, you know. Um, so it's uh, it was it was a really nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, it is really good, uh, and and not just even as a werewolf film, but when we get even more into it, because <clears throat> the dialogue in this movie is gold. It is pure gold. It is such a well written film. And I love how when the one guy who just they, they keep saying they don't want any of this info getting out to the news. They don't want any of it getting out to the news. And this one deputy after John, oh. the main character, has said it time and time again, just blurts this out. And the next thing you see is he just like they cut to them inside of the precinct. Ricky Lindholm is, you know, saying, oh, he says he's sorry. And it's like, yeah, I don't care. He's still fired. So he just straight up fired the dude. Yeah, he's uh, he said something like, "You because Bo was like, you, I'll get you coffee." The guy that gets fired, uh, yeah, he's he like, goes, that would be. He was like, "That would be nice," but you're still fired. And he walks out the door, and you hear from the other room, he's fuck, like he's just shouting. Oh, before but that, he always, he, as he kicks him out, he's like, um, "Yeah," he says, "Yeah, you're still fired, but maybe WikiLeaks is hiring." Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does. He has such a disdain for technology and stuff. I think yeah. it's so funny. Um, but uh. But yeah, the uh, the other thing, like the like you said, he's always blurting out stuff to the news, but it's never anything even that's going on. Like the first kill, he told him it was like a chemical spill. Yeah. And so they walk up to the barricade where the news is like uh, or the, like the lady runs up. And she's like, I was told there was a chemical spill or my dog's going to be OK. And he's like, chemical spill. And he looks over at the dumb deputy and he's like, I did say there was going to be there was a chemical. Spill. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. Uh, I forget his other excuse. Like maybe it was when he was just like, "It's a werewolf." But uh, yeah, that yeah. guy was—he was an idiot. He was so yeah, he but he's great. Oh, and he was, I love the yeah. the conversations with the coroner are good too. Oh my god, the coroner! Um, it's, he's such a dick. Well, he's such a dick, and it builds up and it builds up to the point where John is like, "Well, now you're gonna have to tell your daughter that you're fired, so uh, she won't yeah, be able said, to go to school." <laughs> Yeah, he said, tell your daughter that she's going to lose all her friends and have to make new ones because you're not going to be in this school district anymore because you're fired. Yep, it was amazing. Like, so funny. Um, he uh, goes hard on that little girl and like she's not even in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's pretty great. And I thought, you know, the the 
relationship with him and his daughter was okay, but not overdone. Like you got the gist of it without yeah. having to focus too much time on it. Dude, um, she's she's the one who's taking care of him, and that's the thing is that she's the adult. And though she is going out and hooking up with a guy and being very aggressive with him, he's not the traditional in the movie where the guy's trying to get laid and the girl's like, no. She's like, we're doing this, and he's like, we might, maybe we shouldn't. Like, there's people watching. And she's like, I don't care. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's all about it. But then it turns out the woman's pointing to, like, there's there's a werewolf about to attack them. Yes, yeah, that's the, that's the part that starts the chase, of course. Yeah, but even before that, um, I love when, when John, they're like, so what are you going to do? And he's like, I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill him. I mean, we're going to bring him to justice. Yeah, he's <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kill I'm going to bring him to justice. Yeah. Um, uh, and his ex-wife that, hates him. Like, she hates him so much. She doesn't respect him. His stress is like 2 and 11. He, I mean. Oh, he, yeah. I love that scene in the diner where he's oh, talking God. to her. And uh, the dumb deputy comes in because they found the second body. And he's in the middle of being yelled at by his wife. And uh, Bo, Deputy Bo, comes in and is like, sir, or whatever. And yeah. he's like, What? And he, and he just makes this, like, uh, face and stares down at his hands. And the, and uh, John's like, oh, <laughs> like, there's another one. Yeah. Like, I, I thought that was really well done. Um, they every, you know, even the minor characters in this movie had a lot of character and uh, and time to shine in their own rights, you know? Well, I mean, even when the daughter psychoanalyzes her dad, she does a Ricky Ticky Tabby reference. And I was yeah. like, what? And then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yes, Jim Cummings, you did write all of this dialogue because that's something that's like people who are in their late 30s or 40s know that more than like a younger generation. Right. Yeah, because I think he says he's 37 or 39. Yeah, he's 30. He says he's 37. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this I mean, and then, you know, we get um they go and talk to the boyfriend again, like, because they want to find uh, the boyfriend of the woman who was killed in the beginning because they want to, like, return some stuff to him or whatever. And, um, yeah, he's like, I don't want you to arrest him. He's like, don't arrest him. Just shoot him in the face till you can see the ground. It's brutal. And the guy just is like, it's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then just leaves. I like when he, uh, after, you know, the, his daughter was hooking up with the dude in the car. And he breaks into the guy's house while he's drunk to try and beat up, like, the high school boy. Yeah. And his, it, the kid's mom maces both of them. And then... And then finds out just, who he is. Right. And immediately she's mad at her son then. She's like, what did you do? But he just calmly walks to their kitchen and pulls the milk out of the fridge and just dumps it all over his face. And I, I can't help but watch that scene. And I'm like, who's going to clean that shit up? That's going to be so, so sticky. It's like a werewolf movie. And I'm so I'm I've showed the most concern, not for the woman with the stolen vagina or the woman with the missing head, but this lady's kitchen floor. Yeah, and that shit was terrifying to me, Rob. It was a nonstop thrill ride, this movie. Well, let's go from that terrifying thing to when the woman who was at the diner, who was a Mrs. Fairchild, who had a daughter, and I said had because 
There's a tiny casket. Yeah, well, that's and that's the messed up part. So, yeah. what's interesting about this film is we get past, present, and future all put into one. So, a movie with an hour and twenty-three minute runtime, when you're getting a kill, let's say uh, Mrs. Fairchild's is the best one to go with. You are watching from the moment where she was talking to the police, and they're just saying, "All right, you can go." And then she's like, "Well, I, you know, this was really creepy. Like, she's freaked out by everything." So she's in the car, and you see her then driving uh, in the snow, and she sees a dead deer on the road. And then as she's getting out, we're then cutting to the morgue. And we have uh, John and a couple of the other cops come in, and the mortician, he pulls that back, and it's Mrs. Fairchild. And then next thing we cut to is, like, the funeral. But we're interspersing this with her getting slaughtered because we're like, wait, if she's dead, then... She, she walks up to the deer, she sees a bloody handprint on it, and she turns around, and the werewolf's at her car. But her daughter's in the car. And the werewolf attacks, and as you're watching this attack, and she's getting, like, shredded, pretty much. She has a gun. Like, she she gets a shot off at the werewolf. Does she? she? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, because she fights, but she tries. Like, she definitely tries to fight back, but it, it's still not... It oh, doesn't totally work. ineffective, yes. Totally ineffective, um, she gets slaughtered, and then we see the tiny casket, and we realize that not only she's dead, but her daughter has also been killed. And, and I think that's when John starts drinking again. He does it right in the church, if I remember correctly. I think so, yeah, because he, he was tempted to beforehand, and then finally it pushes him over the edge because now a kid's dead on top of it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he starts spiraling out of control pretty heavily, Oh, yeah, he drinks the Listerine at one point. He he just chugs it, yeah. He chugs the mouthwash, and, like, yeah, that's somebody who's done that before, you know what I mean? He doesn't even react to the mouthwash. Yeah, uh, and then it's like, yeah, because everybody not, is, everyone hates the cops in the town, which is justified, because literally they can't solve anything. There are yeah. always, the one guy's like, well, um, maybe it was, like, a hunter or something. Hunt, you know, the deer or whatever, and he's like, so what, what, who would do that? Who, what hunter would hunt a deer and their hunting accident and, and put his hand on that, uh, you know, uh, bloody handprint the and then off, cut the handprint yeah. off? Who would do that? Uh, I don't know, hunting accident or whatever he says. Yeah, he's it's like, like a weird hunter. Yeah. yeah. Like, Ugh. Okay, buddy. I mean, that's the guy who gets broken in half. So, like, he's useless. So, he, I'm not saying he got what he deserved in this, but he's useless. Yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty useless. Takes up a lot of trash can realty, though. Yeah, he does. A whole yeah. lot. Filled that whole thing up. Yeah, uh, hanging out the top. But yeah, Jim has started... Or, uh, yeah, Jim Cummings, uh, John, has started drinking. We have a relapse, and I wrote, damn, even the Listerine. <laughs> yeah. And... That's an accurate note. I, w I put also an amazing way to smash an oven door, because that... Oh, Yes! I've never seen, I've never seen that happen in a movie, and it was so amazing. Yeah, and it, oh man, that looked like it hurt, too. Like, he's uh, standing kind of in the corner of his kitchen counter, and the oven door is down, and he's just so drunk that he finally passes out, like, sideways, and winds up, like, half falling stomach first over, half kneeling through the open oven door and just all the glass and then his ass are all on the kitchen floor. Yeah, and, the glass uh, pops out and shatters and the door breaks down and he falls. It was it was amazing. 
It's just be a such hell of a an amazing mess to make scene. Up too in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. God, he ruins everyone's kitchen in this movie. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, he does. He's he's you know he's reckless. He um, hates kitchens and computers <laughs> and werewolves. So now now we cut to uh, another body and this guy who has this wolf-like dog that lives in the middle of nowhere and has a wolf tattoo on his arm burning this body. And it's like, well, that's weird and interesting. Because we've seen him before and he's this junkie guy that we see. And you kind of don't know who he is and you think, well, maybe he's this wolf uh, because we've seen this other lanky dude in a, in a hoodie and they look kind of similar. Um, and it's like, alright, we're getting hints at what's going on in this world. It's fleshing it out further. And... Yeah, I, uh, it definitely wants you to think of him as a big suspect. Yes. Uh, with that close-up on the wolf tattoo and everything. Oh, it's per and it's such a cool moment where you're like, really? This is where they're gonna go with it? But it's so much bigger than that. Uh-huh. Uh <laughs> and then we get to, yeah, it's true, actually. We get to the library scene... And I love when he just yells, fuck you, in the library. Like, he's sleeping, and this dude wakes him up. And John, like, he's like, fuck you! And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. This is what, you know, I got all this information for you. And he's like, you know, if I were any other cop, you got really lucky there. If I were any other cop, I would have just shot you. You don't yeah, wake up a sleeping cop. He said this would have ended in a shooting. And the librarian's like, oh, really? He's like, yes, yes really. <laughs> and storms off out of the library. Like, yeah, the way he wakes life. up, the fuck you, so good. Oh, uh, basically at this point, we're just watching him have a constant meltdown, and every time he's asked to do something, he just keeps saying like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna." Yeah, um, and some of it gets done. Some of it, kind of, and then we get to his his daughter hooking up with that guy, and then she's in the hospital with his dad, Robert Forster. Yes, because he has a heart murmur. He stuff. had the heart murmur, and you know he's finally like said, "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out there and do this." You know, I'm retired. Well, that heart murmur ended up being more than a heart murmur, because not long after that, when the daughter is attacked and then you know is rescued, and she's in the hospital, because John comes to see her yeah. when he's all drunk, and she's like, "Dad," and he thinks she's complaining about one thing. I forget what it was exactly, but then. She's like, no, dad. And then it pans over to the bed where Robert Forster was. His daughter gets attacked by the werewolf. The boyfriend kind of like runs off or whatever. And then the daughter just gets pissed at him. He's pissed at his daughter, but doesn't ask if she's okay. And then she goes off at him and says, I'm bleeding from the skull. Take me to the fucking hospital. And just yeah, gets in it. his car. So it seems like this is when we find the deputy who was broken in half. And John, this is when John goes to the to um, the the boyfriend's house and breaks in and gets maced and pours all the milk on himself. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. it's then he shows up to the hospital, and she's like, "Where were you?" And he's like, "Oh, I went to go talk to that boy, you know, to that's like right, defend yeah. your honor type thing." And she's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? He's dead, you know." Right. And I guess um, that happened because Robert Forster actually died. I guess, yeah. Because um, it was so sudden. Yeah, it was. It was very uh, sudden in the movie, yeah. So I just, you know, I assumed. And of course, the movie's dedicated to Robert Forster. It's true. Um, I believe that's the first title card at the end. Yeah. 
credit card. He <laughs> I don't know what you call it at the end of the movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, um, it did kind of come out of nowhere, so I just took that to me. But it still completed that story arc and yeah. and gave John that you know um, forgetful asshole who gets too focused on the wrong things kind of character quirk. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where they miss their own father dying and their their daughter who has been attacked by a werewolf earlier. Yeah, <laughs> you know, being treated in the hospital. He's his uh. His first instinct was to go ruin another kitchen. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's like his his mo. It seems. Um, yeah, and now he's a mess, dude. He's he's drinking uh, to the point where he's not allowed in AA anymore. Right, like, and it's yeah, it's great because yeah. you don't even see like a scene of him getting kicked out. You see the scene of him trying to come in after they've obviously already kicked him out. Yep. And he's all like, let me just let me just come in or whatever. And they're like, no, no, no. And so he starts being belligerent and mean. And he's like, Dean, tell your wife, you know, yeah. to shut the fuck up. She doesn't know what she's talking about and all this stuff. Stop posting that stuff on the Internet. And uh, again, you know, he hates computers. Um, yeah. And and you don't even see the people at the AA meeting. You know, you see yeah. the guy holding him back at the door. But when he's like, fuck your wife, Dean, um, you hear like the metal chair scoot yeah. like. Like Dean has stood up, ready to fight and uh, defend his wife's internet usage, and um, you know just that that sound effect and the reaction from John. Uh, oh yeah, just tell the, that's the whole scene right there. You know, you don't even have this other person in it, and you can already picture, like I said, this person standing up, like, "What'd you say about my wife?" I don't well, that's know the thing. It's how like they for, talk in Utah. But for an hour and twenty-three minutes, everything is very fleshed out. The scenes intertwine so well that it makes a movie that's an hour and twenty-three minutes feel like a f- like a longer film in a good way, not in a bad way. Right. Um, right. It doesn't drag. Yeah. It makes it feel like you know more about the world and you know more about the characters, and then you're like, wait, this movie's been on how long? And I know this much about it. Like, this is crazy. Yep, and uh, you know, even uh, with the suspect pool you get and stuff, it's uh, it's a good mystery. It's hard to figure out who uh, who could be the werewolf until the very end, basically. Yeah, well, even um, before that, we're watching as he gets he gets to the point where he shows up covered in powder at one point in the house when he's so drunk, and his daughter uh, says to him, "This is during a montage of him just getting shit faced." He is rammed into a column, and the oh, cover, yeah. what he's covered in is airbag dust. Yeah, and he's just, he's so nonchalant about it, and he's like, I clipped the column when I was, because she was like, Are you, did you get in a car accident? And he's like, no, I clipped a column on the way out of the garage at work, and then I, I was so mad that I backed up the car, and I drove into that column as hard as I could, and yeah. this is from the airbag, like... Dummy, obviously you should know that yeah. before you before you ask me what the hell I'm covered in. And it's like, oh my god, this dude, and he's so happy about being such a mess. And that's kind of his uh, his David Hasselhoff eating hamburgers on the floor moment. Oh, that's exactly where, what it is. Where she, uh, you know, puts him to bed. And shit, it's it's such a weird role reversal. Like you said earlier, she's the more you know parental of the two. Um, 
definitely. And like, she's got him in bed and he's, I don't need a parent. And then you can see in his face, like, cause his dad has just died too. Like he's kind of sad about having said that, but then he immediately gets like mad again. And, yeah. uh, he like throws a bottle at the door, like as his child is closing it, and, like breaks a mirror on the door. And it's like, God, it's literally like a, a little child screaming, get out of my room at their parents, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's so, it's crazy to watch, but you still, he's our main character and you still somehow have faith that he's gonna well, solve I mean, the case. And we know he's not the werewolf because he's seen the werewolf. We have right. seen the werewolf yeah. where he has been in the same time. So that has taken him out of the equation, which has made it better and more of a redemption story now. Right. Um, but yeah, he's a mess. But then I think we, you know, it juxtaposes perfectly to we cut back to this junky werewolf guy and we see him as the dog is like moving through or whatever. And the guy's injected himself and then we just see him kind of like fall back and I'm like did he just did he just OD yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because they go hey we found the guy and they're like what yeah yep. he had a tattoo <laughs> he had a tattoo of a wolf and, he was and they found body. bodies yeah. well they found like a body or two or whatever um and this is where like Someone had thrown so earlier in the movie, someone had thrown a bottle at the cops when Ricky Lindholm and, and him were out there, and he's like, "Who would who would throw a bottle at a cop?" That is one of my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I love too. that because even she just looks at him like everyone idiot. Yeah, I was like, "Who would want to do that?" It's like, uh, well, apparently he knows it was uh, Gary the coroner, and he when Gary the coroner is like, "Well, my daughter said," and this is that moment where he's like, "Well, my daughter said or is going to tell them all this because she could have figured that out," and that's she's when he's like, seven. "Well, she's not going to yeah. get the chance to because, uh, you know, you're going to have to move to a different area because you're fired." <laughs> yeah, because he said you threw the bottle, and he goes, "Uh, uh no, I didn't." <laughs> like, yeah, no, I didn't. So obviously. Uh, you know, <laughs> guilty, but um, you know, and then uh, it's it's a big time jump after they think uh, they found the guy because uh, then next time you see it, it's John is not <laughs> nearly as high up in the police department as he was. No. You know, um, he doesn't have like his his service gun and stuff. He's got like his dad's old revolver or whatever, um, and. Uh, you know, he's he's in charge. He's kind of like a gopher for the police at this point, like because he fucked up so bad with all his drinking and all that jazz. You know, like he left he left the police car parked in the middle of the street at one point And the, the little old lady receptionist had to come in and, oh, yeah. and uh, get his keys and move it and all that stuff. And um, so he's he's like returning evidence to people now that they've closed the case down, you know, Um He's returning stuff they confiscated from the townsfolk. Well, it starts with, like, Ricky Lindholm has to really be the voice of reason for John to get his life back together. Because he's hit this really low point, and she kind of talks to him and, and brings him back to kind of wanting to, do, to, to get off his ass and not just be drunk and wallow forever. Um... John has decided he's going to go and drop things off at, like, Paul Carnery's, the guy who's a taxidermist, where he had evidence as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and that's when uh, Ricky Lindholm gets the call about the Steam Ripper and stuff, and she kind of puts two and two together. 
and knows that John is going over there to drop off, you know, uh, what they got from Paul. And uh, that's a really creepy scene, you know, because um, we're kind of putting together, you know, that it's probably him because of the clues. And then when he answers the door and he's all hunched over and he's kind of a balding dude with with kind of gaunt, you know, bone structure. And he looks almost like an old EC character, like the Tales from the yeah. comic books and stuff. Um, the way they've lit him and he's kind of hunched over and, and peeking out the door with this one big Fred Lori eyeball. Um, and, you know, he's all weird and he's, he's inviting John in for coffee and and uh, he wants to talk about the case. You know, he's like, so how'd you find the guy and and all this stuff. And that's interspersed with shots of Ricky Lindholm kind of rushing to yeah. get over there. Um, and then, you know, it cuts back and he's offered to, to put some alcohol in John's drink and he and John has said no. And then he's like, I've no, no. got to go. No, or he says, he, yeah. Does he get it? Okay. He's like, okay. And uh, he does it. And he's, yeah, he does it. He takes it. And um, basically, like. Oh, they, that's right. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Because they talk for a little while and they have, like, a very nice conversation. And something just seems slightly off. But then John leaves. He's like, everything seems fine and he's good. But as he's walking out and he makes it almost to the, you know, to the street. Right, he yeah, stops. he's halfway down the sidewalk, yeah. He turns back, and he walks back and knocks on the door, and the guy answers. In the same way, all hunched over, yeah. Yeah, and he says, you know, there's something that you said that, that just got me thinking. He's like, Paul, can you stand up to your full height for me? And Paul just gives him this look. And then Paul stands up to his full height. And he's huge, yeah. He's humongous. He's huge humongous. It is insane watching this guy go from, like, less than six feet to, like, six, seven. Yep. It's humongous. And then he it, slams the door on, on John, and John reaches for his uh, service revolver or, or service pistol and doesn't have it, so he goes to the car and gets the revolver. Yeah. And, uh, and comes back and... and finally gets the door open but uh someone's been changing during that time yeah he follows him through and stuff and we're like oh this oh yeah he finds the head and stuff yeah he finds all this stuff in there and uh then he knows that like this guy's been doing it and he goes to the back and he sees that yeah paul is the werewolf and he is going through changes changes into his taxidermied werewolf suit yeah <laughs> so he's just got a big suit of werewolf armor and stuff. But you can also see that he's strong as shit because he, like, lifts John up against the wall by his throat, like, with one hand. Oh, easily, um, yeah. Even before he's in the outfit, like, totally. And uh, and stabs him in the stomach. And that's when he, like, changes into most of it because he doesn't get, like, the head on. Yeah. Um, and that part is so cool. I love his, like, weird screaming werewolf howl. Like when yeah. he turns back, because uh, uh, I believe John didn't get the door open. He busted through the sliding glass door on the back of the house or whatever. And yeah. uh, he just ran through it like yeah. a Kool-Aid man. Yeah, and um, oh, it, yeah. was, it was awesome. And uh, he kind of falls over and he's like, oh, shit. But then uh, the dude, you know, um, 
stabs him, goes and puts his outfit on, and then comes back and goes out through the sliding glass door. And you can see the, the Venetian blinds, like, billowing in the wind and the full moon over his shoulder and this huge, weird, like, werewolf armor suit uh, with with the creepy guy's normal human head sticking out the top. It's and like discount just, saber tooth. bellows at him, like... And it's such a weird yell um yeah. it's it's like pained and angry and half werewolf all crazy kind of screaming yodeling you know and it's it's really neat honestly i think it's a really good uh werewolf howl for someone who is not a werewolf but spends a good portion of his month pretending to be one and stealing vaginas and things yeah yeah, so, <laughs> um, you know, as one is wont to do. Well, it's like U- he's making Utah. He, he's making Mormons. something, you know. He's yeah. putting something together, like his <sighs> own weird person, whatever. Right, right. We never get the motivation for it, but it would seem so. Yeah, it, it's very much a, a Doctor Frankenstein, yet he dresses as a werewolf and is very. He talks about like how things from the 1950s though cuz when he talks to the girl he talks about how how he how things are so old and things like that and he seemed like he could be an older guy based on how he was talking about things. Right. Um, and I mean he does have that weird crazy strength for someone, you know, no mm-hmm. matter how old they are. So it's you know, it's uh it, it's a neat towing of the line between no he's not a werewolf, but there's definitely some weird Weird shit going on with this dude. Yeah, Beyond but it's, wanting to murder people and stuff. So. But it's like the whole vamp- uh, vampirism thing um, in, like, Martin, you know, where it's dealing with cutting someone with a razor blade and drinking the blood instead of having fangs. Oh, bro. <laughs> I thought you meant the uh, the classic television show. Martin. No, not the Martin Lawrence show. I, <laughs> I meant was the like, George Romero I missed, movie. I missed the episode where Big Bro from the Fifth Flow was a vampire. <laughs> like, but that does explain why Martin would never say anything to him about climbing through the window and stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, he's like, he's a vampire, Gina. Um, but it's <laughs> that show. Just you mean the um, yeah, uh, yeah the the three movies like bereavement and. Uh, well, Romero oh, no. did a Romero did a movie oh, called Martin. Oh, that movie. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking of those dumber new movies, like Alexander Daddario's in the second one, um, and no. it's like Killer and Bereavement and blah blah blah. And the kid's name is Martin. Uh, that oh, gets no, kidnapped no, no. in the first one and then raised into a serial killer. Are you stuff. talking about Malevolent? Yeah, there you go. Ugh. Uh, it was terrible. And so when you were like Martin, I was like, oh, okay, and I thought it was Martin Martin, and then I was like, oh no, it's the movie. With the kids, so then I, damn it, alright, so yeah, George Romero, <laughs> So it's cool, because this guy, we don't know if he's actually has some sort of werewolf stuff, and maybe can't transform, but is so into it, that, you know, it, it's the lycanthropy thing without actually being able to turn into one. Right, he's definitely as close to an actual werewolf as you can get within the grounded universe that this movie has set. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but, I mean, he's he's pretty damn close to being a full-on werewolf. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, like, you know, you don't get to see him in with the head on, you know, at the end of the movie when you reveal that it's him in a suit and stuff. Um, but like you said earlier, when you see the full wolf in the parking lot and stuff earlier, uh, killing the snowboarder, 
Like that thing is terrifying looking when he's got the full thing on. And, uh, and yeah, no, I mean, if (laughs) it's like, you know, John keeps said, there's no such thing as werewolves. They are imaginary, you know, throughout the movie. And it's like, if I saw that thing charging at me, I would definitely be like, well, I didn't believe in werewolves like two seconds ago, but holy shit, there is one. Um, you know, I wouldn't see it and be like, this is a man and it's certainly not, you know, not the way it was moving. An extra large taxidermist is just really good at pretending to be a werewolf. Yeah. Uh, but that is, that's what it was. Um, but I promise he is really good. That's not a knock on the movie. He's not at all. Actually, this was was one of the most innovative endings I've seen in a long time. Um, cause when, and also when John gets stabbed, he gets stabbed. Dabbed. This guy digs this thing in deep. Oh yeah, like, and like I said, he's he's lifted off the ground, so it's he's almost hanging down on the knife as the guy's stabbing into him. Yeah, um, he gets he gets messed up real bad. Um, and then is able to chase the wolf through the woods, and then gets distracted by fireworks, and then gets uh, shot by Ricky Lindum, and and then uh, shot in the face a ton by John. So that's the thing is like they have this little fight. It looks like um, John's about to die. Ricky Lindholm is able to shoot the guy. And John, no hesitation whatsoever, takes his gun. You know how in most movies someone will stop for a second before they do something? He just takes the gun like it's the most casual thing and just shoots the guy in the face until he can see the snow through his face. Yeah. He shoots him like five or six times right through the head. Just no, uh, he's no hesitation. Because he got his hand up too, yeah. Like, and he oh. shoots one through his hand and into his cheek and stuff, yeah. That's like, what made that so It's a so pretty brutal, brutal realistic uh, head shooting. It's not a big popping head. It's not, yeah. you know, squished to nothing. It's not, you know, a big jello head full of, of prosthetic blood. It's, they, they really, <laughs> it's, it's funny because the juxtaposition with this guy in a giant werewolf suit um, and how realistic the the shooting of the face and head is. Um, it, it kept making me think of that documentary, The Thin Blue Line, uh, you know, from way back in the day where, where the guy was on death row in Texas uh, mm. for shooting a, a police officer at, uh, like, a traffic stop. And mm. he was like, no, it wasn't me. It was this other kid that had the car and all the evidence and blah, blah, blah. But during that documentary, they show a couple of the autopsy pictures just real fast of the, the gentleman who'd been shot in the face. And it, it's very similar, especially the ones that go, like, into the cheek, under the yeah. eye and everything. Yeah. Um, it's very much not, like, a movie headshot, you know? Not at all, no. It's very... The thing that really makes it so disturbing is that he is trying to be like, no, don't shoot. And he starts shooting. He gets his hand up to block it, shoots right through it, and then you're like... But in the way that you see it go through and they just keep shooting him as his hand kind of falls back and it's like, damn, there's oh, yeah. something it's so brutal and so real. And it just kind of at that point, we're like, oh, what's going to happen next? We cut to the girl in college because he just kind of falls. Yeah, at he that passes point. out. Yeah. And we're like, oh, did he just fall and die? Because we cut to the daughter, and she's in college, and then we see Ricky Lindholm come in, and she's been... The new sheriff, yeah. She's the new sheriff, so I'm thinking that that John has died or something. Right, they definitely tease you with that, because the way he comes into the scene, like, 
swinging around the door frame where he's, hey, did we get everything or whatever? Yeah. And uh, that's a cute little conversation because he's like, I left you something for protection in the drawer. And she's like, ooh, gross, you know. And he, he did leave condoms in there, but she also, like, you don't see what's in there, but she looks in the drawer and then kind of looks after him and you're like, oh, he definitely also meant a gun. Yep, because you know? when you see him walk out and he looks down or something, he doesn't have it on him. Right. And you're like, oh, he totally left it. He totally left it. And then like, those two kids are like, because she's on the gymnastics team or dive team or whatever. I think it's gymnastics. But yeah, the two yeah. kids are wandering onto campus and they're like, ooh, fresh meat from the gymnastics team or whatever. And uh, he kind of, you can see he kind of thinks about uh, trying to beat them up and probably needing <laughs> some milk. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but he, uh, he just continues to walk on confident in the knowledge that his daughter will either Put on a condom before someone shoots her, wink, wink, or shoot them before, yeah, uh, you know, anything else happens. So, but that's something that I really liked about this film is that like he knows that this is what his daughter's doing, but and he's he knows not, she's like, more responsible than he is. Yeah, so he can't really call her out on it. This is a great movie, man. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. It was funny because you were like, pick. A, I asked you what movie we were watching. You told me to pick one. And I forget what else I'd said, and then I was like, or this, if you haven't seen it yet, you were like, I knew you were going to pick that. So yeah. I was I was hoping you would like it. I mean, this is a great film. So Jim Cummings has directed a lot of stuff and been in a lot of stuff. Um, it looks like he's in most of the stuff he directs, which I'm not surprised, or at least a lot of the short films and stuff. But he's good, man. This was, this was just a good movie. I highly yeah, I recommend it. What would you say is the, the most... Notable or likely thing for for me or our audience to know that Jim Cummings might have did done. Uh, Thunder, I would say Thunder Road that came out in 2018. It was based on a short that he did. Okay. Um, that kind of. It's another police officer movie. It's a police officer faces a personal meltdown following a divorce and the death of his mother. Oh well, he's if he's the police officer with the meltdown, I guess that's just kind of his thing then. Um. Is there a werewolf? No, no, there's not. Actually, hold on. I need to. I need to make sure that he's not the. No, he's not the same character in uh, this one. He is Officer Jim Arnod. Okay. This is, and he has a mustache in this. So. It's oh no, different. I'm not watching that. It's a cool I, mustache. Uh, <laughs> I just. I'm picturing like some really weird, elaborate mustache that requires like. The aid of bendy straws. No, dude, it's what you would expect. It's like, it's a total cop mustache, but like, on Jim Cummings, so it looks like a combination between a cop mustache and a porn stash. Okay, yeah, that's, all I can picture is the porn stash. Yeah. <laughs> I love how in, apparently in Germany, it's called Der Chaos Cop. Ooh, Der Chaos Cop. Der Chaos Cop. What is, uh, what's the wolf... Die Wölfe zum Snowhollow. I mean... I don't know what... It, it's I don't, probably okay. more literal. I mean, There's, yeah, Thunder Thunder Road to the Chaos Cop. I think that was just more like they didn't know... That's a good one. Yeah, I was looking at a list of, of uh, movies that have, you know, wild titles overseas. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, I love some of them. I can't remember because I was laughing so hard at... Uh, the third Die Hard is called Die Hard Mega Hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, that is amazing. I, I was like, that's a better title than the one we got. Um, I like Die Hard with a Vengeance. I mean, I it's a it's good, great. it's good, but Mega Hard, come on, dude, that's awesome. Um, Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy had a, a really weird one. It was like the the unusual superhero following group or something. Well, because they can't, if it's in Russia, they can't do Guardians because Guardians is its own like franchise, so it would gotcha. probably dilute from that. It's its own like superhero thing that they did. Is that the thing with the Werebear Man and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's a terrible movie, but it's fun to watch. It's, yeah, it's not good, but it's, sometimes it looks good. Yeah, sometimes, in, yeah. In stills, it looks really good. I'll give you in, that, yeah. In motion, less Oof. so. Yeah, it looks like those old, um, like, kind of bootleg DVD action movies you'd get at the store that sold katanas in Lenaven Mall. Yeah. Like, in 2002. Oh like, no! This like is better Kishner. CG than that. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Some of it was I thought really bad, but it's been a I, minute. I mean, I like to put the baseline as 2003's Daredevil on the low scale. So, Whew, that was yeah, that was a bad one. Yeah. I always think of like uh, the end of Deep Blue Sea, like the chick's legs kicking in the water before mm. she gets eaten. Um, Samuel L. Jackson getting eaten is like that moment. Oh, oh that was bad too. too. But no, I mean the like the CG on those legs is terrible. Really, it's like it's like PS one blocky like polygon legs. Um, it looks like somebody eating Cloud from Final Fantasy seven, and mm. like it's terrible. And uh, I mean it. Oh, that movie. But it was surprising to see that chick get eaten. You know. Um, yeah, I was actually I was shocked because she seemed like she'd be a main character in it. Oh yeah, uh, apparently she was supposed to. Except for LL Cool J, though. So she was supposed to live in the original cut. Oh, she must have pissed somebody off then. Like, nah, I think it was especially just... with that poor CG, they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're about to get eaten, Elizabeth, or whatever." Well, her name I mean, is. she caused all of it, so she kind of had to sacrifice herself in the end. Right. Either way, That's Ella a, lives. So yeah, cool. Ella lived through that and uh, and Halloween. I believe both came out in the same year. Yeah, well, I think that was a clause in his films. Was like if he's going to be in horror stuff, he can't die. It's a he's survived a lot, um, <laughs> and he's he survived all of Mindhunters to give us one of the best uh, final lines in movie history. We said, "I guess we found his weakness: bullets." Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie is terrible and I love it. We should watch that one day. Mindhunters um, is terrible because I remember when there's multiple cuts of it or there's supposed to be because it was supposed to be a, a good Rennie Harlan film and it ended up being an abysmal okay. Rennie Harlan film. And the effects on uh, on dead puppet Val Kilmer were something else. Oh yeah. That was just so thrown together too. Yeah. I think that was when he was diagnosed with his throat cancer or whatever, and he had to leave the movie. I can't remember exactly, but... Uh, it might have been, yeah. Um, but regardless, well, this was... Uh, definitely definitely recommend uh, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. If you haven't seen it, find a way to see it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can currently rent it um, on, like, Prime or whatever. It, it's probably going to be on a streaming service soon if you don't want to spend the money to rent it. But I would say just do it because it's that good. Um it is, and if yeah, you like really if you like indie films and indie comedies and stuff that that, that have, have that bite, <laughs> yeah, that have and and that are genuinely just funny and at times kind of terrifying, you know, in the in the moments of the attacks and stuff and the juxtaposition and like everything is is 
put there for a reason. It's very meticulously made. Yep, and uh, definitely, clearly a labor of love by all involved. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, well, thank you for having me on this week, man, to talk about. Yeah, this. man. I really enjoyed the movie. And yeah, thanks for being too. on. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Let me know when uh, we're watching Mind Hunters. Soon enough. Soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for us this week on Oh the Horror. Yeah, thanks, Mike, for being on. Uh, and until next time, uh, you know what? Maybe WikiLeaks is hiring. Yeah, exactly. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. And there's no more room in hell. The dead will walk here.